Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is the inaugural episode of the 2023 NFL Draft Specials Series. You know, I've been away for a couple of months, taking some time for myself, and this series is a great way to come back into the space, and it represents a way to close out the 2022 season. On this episode, I'll be doing quarterback rankings. I'll be doing positional specials from now into the NFL Draft. Uh, Some positions will be combined for each week's show. Uh, Example, I'll do an offensive lineman show uh, instead of just doing an offensive tackle, offensive guard, and center show separately for each. For those of you all who are new to the show, first off, welcome. Appreciate you coming through. And you can follow me on Twitter for more uh, football-related content. It's something that was off for a month or so, or actually a couple of months. I had to take a step back. If you've been on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. But you can follow me there. My handle is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. I'll also be doing a mock draft show with a bit of a twist on it. Um, you know, mock drafts are generally done, and I'll be doing that right prior to the NFL draft that's in Kansas City this year. You know, mock drafts are generally done because they're content and traffic generation goal. You know, you'll, you'll see some people are putting out their mock 4.0. Some are putting out, you know, some people who, you know, I know their their company asked them to put out, you know, 10, 15. They're doing all sorts of mocks all the time. And it can be taxing because not a lot changes. Uh, and the accuracy is based on your level of access and, and, and your sources, to be honest. And since that's not something that I have, my mocks wouldn't really be as useful to you if structured in this exact same manner. <clears throat> and this was kind of sparked also by a friend reached out to me to ask me about someone who does mocks, does mocks in the space and whether or not she was uh, accurate. And I said, honestly, I don't know. Uh, might be. And again, it is because of that access that people have. So I'll be doing a layered draft. And here's what I'll be doing. I'll do what I would do is if I was the GM of the team, which I've done in the past in other respects, and I'll also do what I think is going to happen slash what they should do with the pick. You know, I won't be including trades in this version, but they will be mentioned if that team should or will likely trade from their current position. Case in point, if I think Arizona will probably try to trade out, get some more draft capital, um, that's where I will make a suggestion on something like that. So yeah, I'll be doing that and I'll be right before the draft, like I said. So, without further ado, we're going to get into it. What I'm actually going to do is start off with a topic that I want to discuss, and then it's going to kind of lead me into the quarterback rankings. And yeah, you're probably tired of hearing about it, but you haven't heard enough about it from me unless you're on my socials, uh, and my personal socials, really. And that's the Lamar Jackson situation. Here's the thing. You know, the more information you get, the more you can frame stuff and the longer you wait, the more more intel or at least the feelings that you have about something can change. For me personally, Lamar is in a perfect storm for inappropriate justification. What do I mean by that? People are saying a lot of different things, have a lot of different uh, points of view on this. And I want to kind of bring you behind the curtain from my point of view on everyone else and also the situation itself. So. One of the things that's been harped on, it's been harped on for years, is the whole agent thing. So I want to kind of go over why an agent would help or could actually hurt in a scenario like this for Lamar Jackson. So for those of you all who aren't familiar with what agents do, you keep hearing, oh, if he had an agent, he'd get rid of this, this, and this. Here's the best way I could put it. Um, Basically, if Lamar Jackson had an agent it would allow him to not do some of the things that he might not feel like doing. Uh, For us, the best way I could put it is changing your oil. Can I change the oil in my car? Sure I can, but I pay someone else to do it. You know why? They do it better than I do, they're used to it, and I don't feel like wasting my time doing it on a personal level. So I'm willing to pay the premium to have someone else do it, okay? Hopefully you all can relate to that because there's probably a, a majority of you, vast majority, that don't change your own oil You're willing to pay the premium for that. Lamar Jackson doesn't want to pay that premium. And that does not make him wrong in the circumstance. It just makes him different from the status quo. Things that an agent could do other than that. 
you know, they're used to doing it, much like the person changing your oil, uh, the mechanic doing that. So they're used to any of the little caveats to come in there. They can argue for points for you. They have an ability to be in a network with other people, knowing what the market itself is set, maybe having conversations with other agents as far as some of the structures of the, their contracts for that position. That's what an agent can do for you. All right. But you want to hear something that people don't want to say, and I'm not trying to actually make people feel bad because that's not my goal. It's really not as hard as people want to think it is. Not the negotiation points, but actually getting a contract and going through it. It's not like you have to, you don't have to be a physician. Like you don't have to be a surgeon. Like it's literally something that you pay a nominal fee for to become certified by the NFL to do this. Okay. There's some agents who are kind of mediocre. There's some who are really good. All right. But here's the other portion of it, because Nothing is one-sided. And I'm using an absolute there on purpose. I don't like absolutes in most circumstances, but in this one, it applies. Nothing is one-sided. Agents could help, but they could also hurt. Here's what an agent's number one goal is, and people will probably come to me and tell me that I'm wrong about this, but I've actually worked in this space a little bit, and I've actually been respected in the space for what I'm about to talk about. The agent's number one goal is to earn the most money feasibly possible while also staying in the construct of being respected. There it is. An agent wants to make money. An agent is willing to make money at a lower rate to also maintain their, uh, be, be a reputable person, right? I'll give you an example of something that I heard about, and I'm going to get the details wrong, but not wrong enough. I remember hearing this on a podcast uh, last year. It had to do with Freddie Freeman, who played for the Atlanta Braves. Freddie Freeman ended up playing for, I believe, the Dodgers at one point. And basically what happened is he basically told his agent, hey, you know, I'm willing to take a discount to stay here. And it didn't work itself out in that manner. He basically left because it was kind of the, oh, they don't want to adhere to what you want. You know, take this deal. So the deal was taken. And then he found out that it was the deal that was better for the agent because it was the deal for more money. But the guy's comfort, his own comfort was where he was. So he fired said agent. And this isn't something that never happens. Agents get fired fairly regularly. It's not all the time. I'm not going to say that, but it's, it's a regular occurrence that agents get fired or they part ways with their client. You know who agents have the number one of their, their, their top relationships are their client is their relationship and they're bound to their client based on the fact that they have a contract with them, but clients go away. You know, the client that keeps on giving the NFL in this instance and the teams that are in the NFL because players keep coming through. So keep that in mind. You know who's not going to give up on or try to get a deal that's better for them in the long run and the relationship with the team in the long run? Who's not going to look for that and will actually look out for Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson's people. Okay? And keep this in mind. Number one thing that you want to do is never underestimate the intelligence or the capabilities of people just based on how they're talked about. They keep talking about, well, his mom and this and that. You don't know what the heck Lamar Jackson's doing over there. You have no knowledge of it. You only hear what you're reported to about it, and you don't have any actual depth of feeling. Some of these people don't know what they're talking about either. So you keep hearing an agent, an agent, an agent. I would probably have an agent if I was in this position, but guess what? He doesn't, and I don't judge him for it, because guess what? That man is a man of principle, who said, I'm not going to get one, and he's not going to get one, at least not right now, and good for him. I respect people who actually have principles. Far too many people do not. All right, let's move on to the next item. What does he actually want in this contract structure? Here's what you keep hearing floated out there. There's a bunch of numbers, and you hear from former GMs who work for large networks. You hear it from reporters and beat writers and all sorts of stuff. Well, he wants, you know, $250 million guaranteed. You don't know what the hell that man wants. Number one, either... You're working on your thought process of what could be going on. Basically, you're coming up with something with no knowledge of the situation. Or number two, someone has leaked the information in the negotiation, which is its own issue. 
okay? So when you're hearing people, even if they work for large networks, saying, well, he wants this and this, they don't know what the F they're talking about. And if they do, someone slipped up somewhere. Because the only contract that I've really heard that came out anywhere, and again, this is not even guaranteed that it was correct, had $133 million of a guarantee on it. So when you keep hearing these $250 million and all this stuff, know that the sources, they're basically just kicking up dust on that. They don't have intel. No matter who they are, they don't. Next thing, is he actually more hurt than the Ravens are letting on? Here's something that came up. Uh... Guys that I respect, Bermani uh, Jones and Howard Bryant were discussing this, and the only way this makes sense is if Lamar's PCL is actually more hurt than the Ravens are letting on. They're right that that's the most logical scenario, but they're wrong from the perspective that that's the case twofold. Yo, there's some competition committee stuff that needs to be discussed if the Ravens are trying to shop a dude who they know has a real severe long-term injury so that can't be the case because if you want to sell me like there's a lemon law and the nfl functions very closely when it comes to these big massive contracts you're going to sell me something that you know is damaged goods that wouldn't go down well so i don't think that's the case i think the ravens are just honestly they're just I don't think that's the case at all, but it was an interesting theory because it is logical, the approach, if they were dealing in a situation where these were free market folks, basically, I'm my own company over here, I'm my own company over here, we're not governed by the same thing except for we're governed by the laws of the land. These organizations work in concert with each other, that's why there's revenue sharing, okay? They're not going to do that because that is some grimy stuff that to be candid, yo, (laughs) Trust me on this. They can't do that. All right. The next one, the perception of the fully guaranteed contract. See, there's this whole thing floating around about, well, and it's been going on for months. And even I've thought about it and talked about it. People think that Lamar's playing the the role of a martyr for the fully guaranteed contract movement. First off, that man is not doing that because he has not talked about that. You know, the last person, and whether you agree with me or not, does not matter. The last person in the NFL that played that position or just in general who literally went and was a martyr for something was Colin Kaepernick. And to some extent, he stumbled into it. But because he's actually a man of principle, stuck it out, lost his career over it. But he mentioned, that's what I'm doing. He said, that's what I'm doing. Lamar has not said, I'm doing this so that we can get guaranteed contracts. So he's not the martyr for it. So get that crap out of here. The NFLPA will probably want it to some extent. But let me tell you what I think it would actually do. Unless it's guaranteed contracts for the quarterback position, that's the only one that would make any sense. What would happen? Because things correct. People think that, that, that progress is just a movement forward. It operates more like a pendulum, to be candid. So what would happen if you had fully guaranteed contracts? Other positions would actually lose the middle class basically the excellent players it's a worse version of what's going on right now the excellent players would end up getting paid pretty sizable contracts that were guaranteed and then cheap labor aka rookies undrafted free agents etc will be brought in at positions that have quote-unquote less value there's already the phasing out of the running back getting sizable contracts because they've been devalued so much but other positions such as off-ball linebacker uh let's see um, box safety, let's see, nickel corner, um, less so defensive tackles now. Uh, I was going to say guard, but guards are probably going to make some money as well because defensive tackles become a more premier position. Slot receivers, and of course, like I said, running back and even tight end. All these positions would have a phase out where you would not have that middle class being paid if you had fully guaranteed contracts. It almost except for the quarterback position, works well for you to have the current market you have. Because these NFL teams, they're, they're, they don't own these teams making billions of dollars because they're bad at business. Some people are, but I mean the overarching organization. The owners themselves, some of them might be, and they can't be too bad at business, but they're not bad at, <laughs> they might be bad at picking players, but they're not bad at making money. So they're not going to do that. So 
the whole notion that he a wants a fully guaranteed contract again you have no knowledge of it and b that he's the martyr for that whole thing is absurd the next thing i want to talk about the notion that he can't operate a drop back passing offense now i actually heard mel kuyper and i'm gonna misquote him but i'm gonna give you the gist it's not a verbatim statement he basically said they want to they hire todd munkin they want to move on to a actual passing based offense blah 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 all this stuff and there's these things floating around here that Lamar Jackson can't run a, a drop back pass offense. Like people didn't watch film at Louisville. They basically, what they're doing is telling you they didn't because that's the offense that he ran. He just used to take off and strike up the band on people because he was better than people, okay? There's a quote that I'd like to say and I heard it somewhere, but I put my own spin on it. Don't let someone else's limitations affect your dopeness. I said it to the VP that I used to report to several years back at the company that I worked for, um, and he he loved it. Um, I meant every word of it. Don't let the limitations of others affect your dopeness. Lamar Jackson was limited by a guy who, actually I'm gonna put some respect on his name right now, Greg Roman, because Greg Roman came to the defense of Lamar Jackson when people were talking negatively about what he could or couldn't do and all this stuff. Greg Roman is an excellent run game schemer, especially when the quarterback run is included. He did great things with Alex Smith, with Colin Kaepernick, with Lamar Jackson, but his past concepts were high schoolish. And I've said that for years, but I will put respect on his name because that man knows what he saw each day in practice with Lamar Jackson. Lamar, might not be the most adept passer compared to a Patrick Mahomes, but who the hell is? I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to agree with. You might laugh at, but I'll be honest. I watched it happen in college, and this guy be better at passing the ball in college with receivers that weren't high-level Ohio State and Alabama receivers. I watched Lamar Jackson throw for over 3,000 yards two straight years with dudes who didn't sniff the NFL, something that Josh Allen couldn't do, Okay. If you put Lamar Jackson in the same scheme with the same team that Josh Allen's playing with, with that dude, Stefan Diggs, that excellent route runner, Crispy, guess what would happen? He put up the same numbers, just a little different, but the same as Josh Allen. He might have a few less passing yards, but guess what? He'd also strike up the band for more rushing yards. I think he'd have more total yards and more total touchdowns in that offense. That's just me. But you know what? I'm willing to put money on it. That he at least be in the same universe of it if you actually gave him that situation and set up. Yeah, don't let someone else's limitations affect your dopeness. And another thing about Lamar, just to get on this one, because I'm on one right now. Lamar removes the necessity for certain players needing to get paid highly. What does that mean? Some guys need this, this specific offensive line in front of them and they need blah, blah, blah and all this stuff, right? You can get average running backs with Lamar Jackson. You don't have to highly pay them. You can get, you just need to get a a real deal, number one receiver. I think virtually everyone not named Patrick Mahomes needs that, to be candid. Everyone else has gotten better when that's happened. Patty Mahomes, the only dude who hasn't, and to be honest, he was able to learn how to function without that with, and yes, you want to talk about Travis Kelsey? No, not the same. I don't care. Titan's not the same. It's not the same. Not the same. So, He eliminates the necessity for certain offense. If you ran a specifically drop back oriented offense that allowed him to also operate and run in space instead of a run based quarterback run based offense, you could pay down on some of the offensive linemen. As long as you had a quality center who knew how to set and do things, you could pay down for your guards X, Y, Z, right? You can even not have the best tackles on the planet because he's not a stationary statue. And you also, in some respects, don't have to pay for certain defensive positions because you're usually going to be operating from a lead. So you can get that defense that's designed to just get after the quarterback and not have to pay pay for these all-ball linebackers and safeties and things like that, even some of the corners, if you could run a certain scheme always ahead. All right? And at the end of the day, I'm of the opinion that Lamar is lined up in a terrible position based on a confluence of factors. Again, perfect storm for inappropriate justification. Status quo. He doesn't have an agent. He's actually willing to... Oh, 
yeah, the agent thing is old news. You know, it's not. This dude has principles and he's willing to stick to his guns. He might not play this season. That's actually a travesty and it is an indictment on how the NFL functions. But that's just my opinion. Injury issues. This is more of a media-driven construct than a major concern. And I'm going to say it like this. People were like, oh my goodness. Well, you know, he has missed at least five games over each of the last two seasons. Well, A, usually the conversation is about how if you run the ball as a quarterback, you're going to get injured, but he's gotten injured in the pocket because he's had to hold on to the ball because there's not separation based on the offensive passing scheme that was offered, having receivers run in the same area and no one getting open because of the design. Cool. You know who's missed a lot of games too, by the way? Joe Burrow, when his line didn't do the job and someone went through his knee and injured him. But then excuses were made. And you need to get this for, for for Joe Burrow and blah, 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 blah. Which I agree. They need to upgrade that offensive line. They need to get him more weapons. Why the hell are we doing the same thing with Lamar? Lamar got injured both times in the pocket because people weren't open based on both scheme and they didn't have the echelon of receiver that Cincinnati has or that Buffalo has. Rashad Bateman is a good football player. He is not Jamar Chase and he is not Stephon Diggs. Go ahead and get that out there, okay? Contract. He allegedly wants a fully guaranteed contract in excess of, let's say, $200 million. Who the hell knows that? You don't know that. You don't know that. Man is, at least to my knowledge, never said it. It's not anywhere on social media. You can go drag it and see if he's ever said it or anyone in his camp has ever said it. Perception. There are people who never thought he was a quarterback to begin with. Period. And by the way, yeah, I'm going to call out a dude, Jeremy Fowler. Went to University of Florida. Uh, no one has anything negative to say about him or anything like that. But I do find it interesting that Mr. Fowler is the same person who has these sources that have told him that, you know, Lamar Jackson's ranked outside of the top 10 as a quarterback. Okay, cool. That there's concerns about him as a passer. Okay, cool. He has all these sources that say all these negatives about Lamar Jackson, right? You got to start to ask yourself, who are you aligning with? Because there's not other people bringing out these reports in, in specific. The, 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 the only other people who were bringing this out were when one of the best GMs in modern football history, Bill Polian, said some ridiculousness about Lamar Jackson switching to wide receiver that just showed you that he was, you know, it's kind of like your grandpa getting up to a certain place and you don't allow him to drive anymore. Bill Polian had to leave the league after that comment because of how ridiculous it was. Okay. That was the last time other people were saying it. It's always Jeremy Fowler that somehow has a connection to these negative commentaries about Lamar Jackson. So who are you in rooms with, bro? What people are your sources that feel comfortable enough with you to tell you this stuff? Because I'll tell you this from my own experience. People are willing to say wild ass stuff if they think you agree with them. And I'll give you an example of a situation where I'm not really friends with this person anymore. In fact, on social media, they still exist, but I do not hang out with this person. Some of you all might know what I'm talking about. You know, some people who are willing to say wild stuff when they think other people might either be fine with it or they just don't care. But there's a dude who I know who used to say women are people. And he said it in a joking manner, but then he really meant it, okay? Once he started saying wild stuff like that, we're good. We don't hang out anymore, bro. Like, your opinion, that's not how I get down. You're welcome to have it. But I don't really get down with you like that. So if they're saying these things to Jeremy Fowler and not really saying them to other people, maybe it's because they think you believe that, Jeremy. I'm just saying. That's all I'm saying. And then there's the big C word, collusion. You know what? You'll never have enough to prove collusion in the NFL because collusion usually needs a paper trail or some sort of reasonable scenario to justify being collusion but you really needed a legit paper trail you need a lot of information to be able to prove collusion I don't think the NFL is colluding I'll start there what I think they are is doing something that the behavior speaks to it speaks to that being the, the case but I'm not going to claim or accuse the NFL of that it is just very interesting that the teams that really do need a quarterback in this offseason, within 15 minutes of Lamar Jackson being available, they came out with, well, we're not interested, we're not interested, we're not interested. Yo, sometimes if you're going to lie, 
right? If you're going to do something wrong, maybe you don't, like, you know, prematurely do something. I'm not saying that they're colluding, but you know what? I can understand why people think that they are, considering that, again, it wasn't like Kansas City came out and said, we're not in Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Okay? Or Buffalo. Or Cincinnati. No, it was like the Commanders and tech, all sorts of, what the hell? It just smells so bad. So in closing, I think we're trending further and further towards something that could be a reality that'll make me sad. No, it's not that Lamar Jackson will never play another down for the Baltimore Ravens. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um, And that doesn't make me sad one bit. What makes me sad is we could see a 2023 NFL season without Lamar Jackson being the starting quarterback for an NFL organization on opening day. And it's possible that we don't see Lamar Jackson for the entire 2023 season. And that, folks, is a travesty and what makes me sad. All right, we're going to move into the quarterback rankings. Oh, by the way, remember how I was talking about something um, when it relates to what people talk about um, and how they position stuff? This plays into um, my ranking. So the guy who I have ranked number one, again, people who have followed me, right, or who are friends with me or whatever you want to say, they know my top five. I put that out there. And my top five, when I put it out there a couple of weeks back, was Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, Hendon Ho- uh, uh, Will Levis, and Hendon Hooker in that order. Okay? Now, there's been a change to that order, and I'll get to why in a second. But the guy who I have ranked number one was actually talked about last week by Mel Kuyper. A guy who, anyone who comes across Mel Kuyper has nothing but positives to say about him as a person. Says he's one of, like, that's not an act. Like, how he is... And, you know, that excitability and like excitedness is real. That's how he is. And also that he's a genuine good dude. Like I've heard nothing negative about it, but I'm going to, I'm going to come at Mel for a second. And he probably doesn't even know who I am or care. Mel mentioned Bryce Young's size, like everyone else has, right? Cool. And he made the statement that Bryce Young took hits, but that was the SEC. This is the NFL. His size and the injury from last year, by the way, for those who don't know, it's his non-throwing shoulders and AC joint injury, have to be a concern. Just to let you all know, Mel Kuyper is top quarterback, or at least has been his top quarterback, and a dude who he's, he's riding and dying for. I'll give him respect for that. Ride or die on it, baby. Is Will Levis. The same Will Levis who played in the SEC. Okay? Same Will Levis who had foot, finger, and shoulder injuries, not throwing shoulders well, last year. Again, same SEC, okay? But Will Levis is fine to take as a top pick and you're just fine. That's That should be the guy. You know, the, you know what the best predictor for future outcomes is? Usually it's past outcomes. So, Just pay attention to what people are saying and and use logic because you're supposed to be able to apply this framework over here to the other framework, especially when it's very similar. It'd be different if Bryce Young played in, let's say, uh, NAIA versus Will Levis playing in the SEC, and then you had some sort of conversation on it. No, they played in the same conference. And this wasn't your, your, your mom and pop or hell, not even your mom and pop. This wasn't five year ago, Alabama. This wasn't Tua's Alabama even. Or Mac Jones's. This Alabama was different. The offensive line wasn't as good due to attrition with younger players leaving in the transfer portal. And the wide receivers weren't as good. It's just the truth. Dude had to do a lot. But, again, I just look for consistency. And I want people to give people the same. If it's a negative for some, it's got to be a negative for others as well. And you got to justify why the guy you like gets the pass versus the guy that you don't like or at least don't like as much getting the criticism so let me go on to these rankings and what i'm going to do with the rankings with the guys to start off with the ones i've seen more that i've had some um and sorry if there was a little bit of an interruption there was a rainstorm earlier and now a person is outside um just trying to do their job but they're kind of loud with the leaf blower so if you can hear that in the background my apologies but 
to get back to what I was saying, because I tried to pause to, to let him pass, but apparently he's working his tail off out there uh, to get that done. Um, some guys I've seen more tape on. I've seen more full games, etc. The guys I'm going to talk about, I've seen at least a full game from each. Some, well, and some I've seen in addition to that clip ups of games or at least highlights to try to guide me further. But I've seen at least one game from each of these people to try to frame where I'm going. Some I've seen way more. So I'll have more intel on people who I've seen more of. So my number one quarterback is Bryce Young out of Alabama. You know, the whole conversation about his height, he measured in at 5'10". He's probably really a playing weight of 195, but he measured in at 204. Um, Not a big deal to me. Uh, He's 21 years old, born in 2021. He gave him a grade of 88. Now, to bring you all up to speed on what the grades mean, if I give you a grade of 95 or above, that means I think you're a Hall of Famer. Or Hall of... Well, let me start here. I have a range. So there's a low end and a high end. The low end is the worst that I could see you doing in the league. The high end is the best I could see you doing in the league. Your cap, okay? The grades go as following. So, <laughs> oh goodness. So 95 and above means I think you have Hall of Fame caliber talent. 90 to 95 means I think you have all pro caliber talent as a quarterback. These are quarterback specific rankings, right? 85 to 90 means I think you have Pro Bowl level talent. 80 to 85 means I think you have NFL starting caliber quarterback talent. 75 to 80, that range means I think you have spot starter slash backup talent. 70 to 75 means I think that you are a career backup, aka a dude who floats in and out of the league. Anything under 70, I think you're a camp arm at best. You're probably not going to play in the NFL to be candid, okay? So that's the, those are the grade ranges. Now I'm gonna get you each player's range and then their average is their current, is their actual grade. So Bryce Young's actual grade is an 88 based on his low end being an 84. I see him as a high end starter at worst to 92. I see him as an all pro caliber quarterback. Uh, his strengths, uh, pocket awareness. His, his, his movement in the pocket is absurd. Uh, anticipation and ball speed. He can throw a laser ball. It's not going to look like Josh Allen's or in this draft, Anthony Richardson's. But guess what? It's a laser ball. It's it's a real cutter ball. He can throw that, but he throws with great pace. His biggest issue is that he can hold on to the ball too long. That's also an issue that Joe Burrow had when he was coming out. Uh, Bryce, I think it's less of an issue for him than it was for Joe, to be candid. Um, my comp friend was Doug Flutie. And just to bring you all behind the curtain about comps, yeah, I could comp everyone to Steve Young or to Patrick Mahomes or to even at worst, Matt Ryan. Everyone could be comped to someone who's been in a Pro Bowl or won MVP. Guess what? I don't want to do that. See, when I do a comp, my comp is when I saw this person play, what did I immediately think of them? Then once I looked further, did that justify out? Did that play out? And I give the comps, not for me, but for you, for the person who doesn't do this, so you can understand this is the type of player you're getting or how it'll look on the field because this is how this person plays. Doesn't mean that their career path is gonna be the same as the person who I mentioned. It's just when you start looking at them, this is so you can visualize what this guy might be like. It's this. My comp was Doug Flutie. And Doug Flutie played about 30 years too early considering because if Doug Flutie came out right now, He'd be a first round pick. Okay. And Doug Flutie went through the same thing where Doug Flutie finally got to the NFL. was playing for Buffalo and they brought this Rob Johnson dude in 6'5", rocket arm allegedly, even though it wasn't really that strong. I think Doug Flutie had a stronger arm. And Rob Johnson couldn't. <laughs> Rob Johnson was nowhere in the arena of playing quarterback that Doug Flutie was. But Rob Johnson was always given the first opportunity. And Doug Flutie had to always bring them back. Okay. So. There's a lot of Doug Flutie to me and Bryce Young, but his career is going to be a lot better than Doug Flutie's. To me, he's a top five guy. Uh, first round pick grade, top five player. Uh, he's the cleanest quarterback prospect for a career that I've seen since Deshaun Watson. Joe Burrow had a, an extremely clean 2019 season. His 2018 season was 
solid con in comparison to some other people, but it wasn't it wasn't how 2019 was. My number two guys, Anthony Richardson, out of Florida. Um, just for context, folks, this guy is the only prospect that was born in 2002. He'll be 20 at the time of the NFL draft. He won't be 21 and able to legally drink until May 22nd of this year. So he gets an 87 grade and I think I'm too low on him. See, part of that came from, I did these grades based on the film and what I saw, but the more and more contact and context I get, the higher I want to bring his grade, but I left it where it was at 87. The low end is a 77. I think that if he doesn't clean anything up and he just goes off his raw ability, I think that he is an in and out of the league. Uh, well, not of the league, but he is a spot starter type guy. He's going to end up like a Jacoby Brissett. That's the low end from a, what his career could look like. His high end is 97. It's one of the highest high ends I've ever seen. Higher than Josh Allen or anyone in the NFL not named Patrick Mahomes. I think he can be a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback if he gets the things that he needs. And just by the way, I listened to a podcast a couple of days ago. Uh, Mina Kimes, JT O'Sullivan was on there. JT O'Sullivan is very respected in the space, former NFL quarterback. He's a good judge of quarterback abilities and actually puts a solid... He doesn't sound like he has wants to put a spin on anything. It sounds like he's literally just looking at tape saying, this is what I see. It's not any of the salesy stuff that you hear from uh, a lot of the reporters, really, but they're called draft analysts, but the reporters that are out there. And what he was saying about Anthony Richardson is something that I saw. And I'm not near the quarterback judge from a have played the position perspective or anything like that as JTO Sullivan. But he saw the same stuff that I saw. He's like, this dude is probably one of the more natural people. And he actually had something to say about uh, Bryce Young, and then I'll get off of it. But he's one of the more natural quarterbacks and natural throwers. Like, like the way he spins that ball and the, the, the motion up top is almost perfect. He's a natural quarterback. The problem is his lower body mechanics. He called it recessy. And what he actually said was, it's not meant as a slight. It's meant that. What probably happened is this dude was so good and so natural in a lot of respects that high school coaches probably tried to help him, but they were looking to win games. And with the resources, I think he went to Eastside High School, probably didn't have, you know, IMG Academy resources. So they're like, look, this is good enough. It's getting the job done. Right. But he mentioned that you can tell the kids who had a quarterback coach, and it's usually kids of means, you know, upper middle class kids that have the means to hire a quarterback coach because their footwork and their, their base is perfect, okay? And when he was saying that, I'm like, ha, 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 he's right. You get fooled by these guys that have these clean bases and you look at them and you say, oh my goodness, that's an NFL quarterback because in seven on seven and stuff, they look perfect, but you can get fooled. That's the Jimmy Clausen effect, okay? Anthony Richardson doesn't have that. So my strengths and weaknesses went along with that. My strengths, obviously an insane athlete. You saw what he did at the combine, but he manipulates the second level very well. I don't think people give him credit for, and this is something that one of my friends said, and with all due respect, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Said that the guy, the mental portion of the game escapes him. No, it doesn't. He is excellent on the whiteboard and he understands what's going on. The portion that escapes him is that he's green at playing the position on the college level. 13 starts. Again, he's 20 years old. But for that age and the consideration, that guy was great at doing what he did, manipulating the second level. And obviously a powerful arm. Does it need to improve? Lower body mechanics and easy plays aren't easy. Those two things are tied together. One of my, Another friend of mine actually said, you know, well, he'll dirt a ball over there. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you're right. It doesn't, except... He has terrible mechanics in his lower body that can be fixed because no one's worked with him. You know what he was able to do in college? It's probably going to get better in the NFL because in college, he had other things to worry about. No matter what you all want to think about athletes, the vast majority of them actually do go to class. They actually do try and they actually don't have means. NIL is now a thing, so they have more means, but in general, that's not the thing. You know what you have in the NFL? If you actually are putting in the work, you do have the time to put in work in your craft because you don't have to go to class. You do have the, the resources to do additional things. And Anthony Richardson, 
will likely be taken by a team that won't let him get on the field immediately so he can work on these things, clean them up, and also grow up because he's a freaking young man. He's not 24 or 25 like some of the rest of these dudes who are ready to get into. Um, my comp for him was Dante Culpepper. Again, a top five pick caliber guy for me. All right. So those are the, the to me, the, the upper echelon quarterbacks. You move down just a small bit to the next guy who's in his own little tier. And that's CJ Stroud out of Ohio State. Um, he's a young guy too. He's 21. Um, and he had an 85 grade. My low end is an 80. He's at least an NFL starter. At worst, he'll be an NFL starting quarterback at worst. But I gave him a 90. He can be an all-pro caliber quarterback. That's why he got an 85. Uh, High-level ball placement, ball speed, and effortless thrower. But he can be too mechanical at times. And also, pressure does affect him. More than, let's say, a Jared Goff. I mean, more than, let's say, a Bryce Young or an Anthony uh, Richardson. My comp form is Jared Goff. Before you all scoff and say how bad Jared Goff is, Jared Goff's not a terrible quarterback. He's probably about the 16th or 17th best quarterback in the NFL. Average, right? He might be a little higher right now just based on some of the stuff going on, but I'm bringing age and everything into the equation. The thing about Jared Goff is, Jared Goff, when things are clean, he's a really good quarterback. I don't care what you all say. Jared Goff's a really good quarterback. Went to the damn Super Bowl, okay? <laughs> like, you're not going to be terrible and go to the Super Bowl unless you have an all-time great defense. I'm not going to say any names, but yeah. So, Jared Goff's not terrible. He's just not a echelon. This guy, CJ Stroud, is a beefed-up version of Jared Goff. Someone with more athleticism. Someone with a stronger arm. But he does have some of the same issues Jared Goff had. That was my assessment of Goff when he came out. That he was too mechanical at times and did struggle with pressure. Keep in mind, this dude played with Marvin Harrison Jr. And all these receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba... Dudes were running open quite a bit. So for those who didn't like Tua for that, CJ Stroud, who I think is better in some respects, does did have a lot of dudes who were just beast out there wide receiver. Uh, but he is a top 10 caliber pick in my eyes. Now we have a bit of a separation and also an adjustment on the rankings. My number four quarterback is now Hendon Hooker. Um, now he is one of the older guys, born in 1998. He's 25. I gave him an 82 grade. The low end is a 79, just out, could be right outside the NFL, but really is a dude who should be an NFL caliber starting quarterback, up to 85. He could be a pro bowler, but I don't see much more than that. I don't see him taking over the league. Um, big things, he doesn't panic, and he throws with anticipation. He understands what's going on. He makes good, quick decisions. That probably comes from playing as much football as he did in college. But the issue is, he could be maxed out, and coming off an ACL, at his age, it's not super terrible, but I think he could be kind of maxed out and he could be kind of a finished product that can learn from the NFL, obviously. But I think for the most part, most of his high-end development is done. He's polished quite a bit. Um, my comp for him is Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks was criminally underrated when he was playing. Uh, I think he's the second best quarterback in uh, Saints history. Uh, yes, I think he's better than Archie Manning. I'm sorry, folks. I could be wrong there, but guess what? If he's not better than him, he's at least third. Um, and I have a second round grade on uh, on Hendon Hooker. <clears throat> He'll probably go in the late first round or even mid first round based on conversations. Now let's get to Will Levis, who's my number five quarterback. Yes, he didn't fall too far, but he did fall. The only time guys fall for me is if new information is introduced, but the tape didn't move. What was introduced was some commentary about some poor interviews and also, you know, there was the whole social media post and some people, apparently someone said this, I heard it on a major network, I have no knowledge of this personally, that uh, some people in the NFL might think that he could be a narcissist. I think that's a pretty strong allegation, um, especially given, I just think that's strong, but it did move it down some because even if Will Levis, who I think is a tough dude, who's a hard worker, goes out and does his thing, the perception of others who are in control of your future, you can only control your future so much unless you are literally running the show. But if those dudes think of you that way, there's a prob probability that you won't get the chances that you might want. All right. So Will Levis got an 81.5 because I moved his low end down to 76. He could flame out, but his high end is an 87. I think he could be a, a, a high quality pro bowler if given the opportunity. Things that stand out, powerful arm. 
and he'll stand in against the rush. That dude is, he is not scared. But his decision-making, and I don't want that to be tied to, it has nothing to do with his intelligence. Sometimes he'll make a decision, and I'm like, yo, you're just determined to show that you have a strong arm. Like, that's a bad decision. And you just go to do it because you think you can just do it. And that plays into the other thing that improved. He's a one-speed passer. So, yeah. You got to change that. You can't just throw the ball through people's chest all the time. You can't just show off the arm. To me, he's Carson Wentz as far as a comp. That's who I saw when I saw him. It was a guy who, yeah, he has some athleticism. He can move, but it's not spectacular. Got a pretty damn good arm. Good size to him. But injuries. Carson Wentz was very similar. Injured. In and out. In and out. His whole NFL career, injured, in and out, in and out. I hope that's not Will Levis's fate. Hoping it's just he had a bad 2022 season. So I gave him a second to third round grade. I think he could also be a guy that's kind of maxed out. I want him to kind of not lose weight, but lose some of that mass, get more flexible, and really start throwing from different platforms and stuff like that. Will Levis almost looks like the dude who honestly will struggle in the NFL because he doesn't have the ability to do the things you need to do or operate in space. All right, don't have much time left in recording this show. Yesterday, I tried to record it, went all the way through it. The thing went off. So I'm going to make sure to not let that happen today because I don't want a bad day. My number six guy, Dorian Thompson Robinson out of UCLA. Uh, He's a senior quarterback, 23 years old, 80.5. The range is 76 to 85 on him. Um, He is one of those quarterbacks. He has an understanding of when to run, and he's an improviser. This is probably the smartest quarterback for me as far as determining when and when when to give up on a play. Some guys throw it away. He can go get you two or three yards, gets down. Or he can take off and get around the edge and get some yards. In the NFL, I think he'll be very similar. He'll go get a couple of yards get down if it's first and 10. All right, now it's set, second and seven. Better place to operate from than second and 14 because you held on to the ball too long. But he's an average to maybe above average arm talent and physical ability guy. That's the whole thing. I don't have a comp for him because uh, nothing came to mind. But what I will say is, I think I'd feel really confident taking him late second day, early third day. So he's a third to fourth rounder guy for me. He's a guy that I would pick up and I would bring in and he would operate behind a quarterback. That, like, I feel like he's a good quarterback to put in a place like Minnesota. Instead of them spending high level draft capital on someone or place um, uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins played well enough to not let that be a thing. But take a flyer on this guy. I have this whole theory where... You take running backs early because their talent is usually there in the first four to five years. And you take quarterbacks every couple of years in the, in the third or fourth round that are out-of-box specials, you know, or the dent-can specials because they have something that's a little wrong with them. But you get them in there, you see what that dog mentality is, and you can have yourself a franchise quarterback for years to come. All right. My number seven guy, Jaron Hall out of BYU. Uh He's got an 80 grade, 75 to 85 is his range. Dak Prescott is his comp for me. He does a lot of the Dak Prescott things. That's the the best way to put it. I have a fourth round grade on him. My number seven guy is actually probably, I mean, number eight guy is probably going to surprise some folks. That's Stetson Bennett out of UGA. We all know the story. He's 5'10". He's 25 years old. He'll be 26 right before Halloween this year. So I gave him a 79.5 grade, much higher than some people, but I have him with a 76 to an 83. I like a dude like this. Think of him as the follower. He doesn't play like him, but just consider him as a, a souped up version of Brock Purdy. Anything you liked about Brock Purdy, Stetson Bennett is better than him at doing all of that stuff. I have a fifth round grade on him. I think San Francisco would do themselves well to take him in the fifth round if they're smart and he's better than Sam Darnold right now, period. Not a conversation in my mind. All right. Sadson Tio out of James Madison, a guy who... Stood out to me. I don't have his actual birth date, but I do know he's 24. He got a 79 grade for me. I have him in a range of 74 to 84. You know, he throws a beautiful ball, and he actually has excellent velocity on it. Like, that thing pops off of his hand. The issue, and it's not football-related on tape, um, he does have lupus. It's not a huge deal, but it is something to be considered. Concern, uh, considered. He has a fifth to sixth round grade for me. All right, we're going to fly through these because I don't want to lose too much integrity, and I only have five minutes left. So Malik Cunningham is my next guy out of Louisville. He's uh, got a 78.5 grade. 74 to 83 is his 
range. He's a dynamic player, quality touch. Think of him as kind of a poor man's Lamar Jackson, not nearly as good, but really good. Um, but his ball placement on intermediate passes is the thing that really kind of concerns me. He's got to work on that. Six-round grade on him. Um, and what I'm going to do, there's two more guys that have a draftable grade, so I'm going to talk about them. Jake Haney, Hainer, sorry, out of Fresno State. Um, he has a really good feel for the pocket, but he's a full-body thrower. He reminded me of Taylor Heineke, a guy who can come in, spot start for you, but it's not a guy who you really want being your 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 quote-unquote starter. He's got a 77 uh, grade because I have him with a range of 75 to 79. He's literally the definition of a spot starter to me. Uh, he's a seventh round to undrafted free agent guy, really seventh rounder. And the last guy is going to surprise you. It's Adrian Martinez, 12th guy raked uh, out of Kansas State. Um, he's got a 76.5 grade. I have him with a 73 on the low end and 80 on the high end. Uh, he's a high-level toughness guy. Like, he is. He's got high-level rush ability, and he's a tough dude. And he's an underrated passer, but he's an inconsistent thrower. That's his needs to work on. I'm with a seventh round to undrafted free Asian grade. He's an ideal fit to me if the Eagles grab him in the seventh, sixth or seventh round as a backup for uh, Jalen Hurts. Now I'm going to run through the guys that are graded, but all have undraftable grades. Tanner McKee out of Stanford, uh, 75.5. His range was 72 to 79. Um, big thing on him. He's more mobile than expected, but he has just average arm talent. It looks like he's pushing the ball more than anything. Max Duggan out of TCU. Um, he has a 75 grade. His range is 71 to 79. Um, let's see. Chris Reynolds out of Charlotte. He's got a 74.5 grade with a range of 71 to 78. Um, number 16 is uh, Cephas Johnson out of Southeast Louisiana, formerly of uh, South Alabama. He's got a 74 grade. Uh, I have him with a 68 on the low side and 80 on the high side. He could actually end up being a sneaky starting quarterback in the future. He's just got to be worked with because he's got all the talent. Lindsey Scott is my next guy, number 17 out of Incarnate Word, former LSU guy. Went to a lot of places at Nickel State. Uh, he's got a 73.5. Low end is a 70. I think he's an NFL camp arm guy at minimum slash backup, but 77. He's got a lower ceiling. He's an older guy, nearly 25 years old. Uh, Clayton Toon is up next out of Houston. 72 grade. I have him with a 68 through 76. And the next couple of guys have the same grade of 71.5. That's Chase Bryce, Appalachian State quarterback, former Clemson Tiger. Tanner, uh, Tanner Morgan out of Minnesota. And Aiden O'Connell out of Purdue. All those guys pretty much the same in a lot of respects. They have some, some things that could work. They're really at best NFL uh, backup quarterbacks. All right, those are the 21 guys that I looked at and ranked. I'll still be taking in more information on quarterbacks and things like that. But I do want to wrap this up because I do not want the same error to happen to me that happened before. So I'm glad I was able to get back on here. Definitely keep in touch about the other positional shows. I'll do more of them this weekend. But I'm glad to be back and giving out my information. But this is Chris James for the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast, the inaugural episode of the 2023 NFL Draft Specials Series. I'll be, I'll be in Kansas City looking, uh, hopefully doing some work there and uh, for the NFL Draft. But in between, again, I'll just be doing my work, trying to get up to date and keep up with the NFL and NFL Draft. Again, I'm back on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Till then, take care. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others because... We need a little more kindness in this world. Bye-bye.